0: Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hi, hello, greetings. Yeah, for those of you who listen to the holiday special, you know why that was amusing. But yes, this is Rossafari Zoo News, your look at everything going on in the world of zoos, aquariums, and conservation, as well as general animal weirdness. A quick friendly reminder to any uh, potential new listeners, uh, this is a crowd-sourced Zoo News episode, so if you see anything that you think might be Zoo News-worthy, you can tag me in it at Rossafari on socials, at Rossifari Pod on the TikTok machine, or email it to me, Rossifari Pod at gmail.com. Dot com. And uh, whether I use your story or not, I'll say your name at the end of the episode, unless I forget, because sometimes I forget, but not usually. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, And and speaking of uh, the holiday special, y'all. Wow. Um, OK, so when I went into the holiday special and, and came up with this idea, I thought it would be pretty great and a lot of fun, and I kind of had this thought that I was going to have so much fun making it and connecting with a bunch of friends again and everything that, um, you know, hopefully everyone would like it, but if not, shrug, at least I did. Well, it turns out that all of my promotion and my excitement seems to have paid off because the holiday special uh, definitely broke my single day download record uh, by by a good bit. Um, that was the most downloads I have ever seen on a single day. And uh, beyond that, uh, I've heard from so Many of you, I can honestly say that I have heard from more people about the holiday special than I have about any other two episodes combined. And that's really incredible to me. It was so amazing to hear from so many of you. And, um, the fact that 100% of the people who reached out were, were positive and excited and loved it uh, really meant a lot to me. One of my, my favorite things that I heard from a couple different people uh, was about families sitting around together and listening to it together, which is how people used to take in those actual old-timey holiday specials back when they weren't old-timey because they were happening in what we now think of as old-timey <clears throat> times. Um. Yeah, but anyway, uh, I absolutely loved the response. I think um, my other favorite thing about all of it was the fact that so many people uh, told me what their favorite part was, and uh, so many of them were different things. Some of y'all loved the songs. Some of y'all loved the the sketches. Um. My. Uh, my. Um um, well, let's just say my, my, uh, ad, my fake ad got a lot of, uh, a lot of props, but it was cool hearing what everyone thought. And, um, because of how successful this was, it is my goal to do the same thing again next year. Uh, only now that I know that I'm going to be doing it, I'll actually have time to prepare for it. So my intention is to make it even bigger, even crazier. And, um, don't, don't worry. No, no, no less uh, goofy, because that just that that was, that was fun, man. So I want to thank you all for, for listening. And if there's anyone listening to this who hasn't heard it yet, get your butt back there and listen. It's fun. And uh, OK, so one other thing before we get to the actual news news. I know that I have a lot of listeners in North Carolina or around that area, and I wanted to let y'all know that my show, Under the Sun, the one that I wrote and created and perform in, will be coming to Theater Raleigh in Raleigh next year. Um, Now, due to just kind of marketing the show, we're now doing the show under the name Sun Records Live, um, because Under the Sun, a lot of people didn't get that it was about on records. Uh, But yeah, so you can find tickets to the shows now at theaterraleigh.com. And that's theater with an R-E at the end. I fully expect to see many of my Greensboro Science Center and North Carolina Zoo friends there. Uh, As a matter of fact, y'all, I'm even talking to the team at Greensboro about possibly bringing Miso the Red Panda to a show. And by, I'm even talking to the team at Greensboro about possibly bringing Miso the Red Panda to a show, I mean, I mentioned it to Becca, who told me to shut up, and then I mentioned it to Kelly, Miso's uh, keeper, who rolled her eyes. But, hey, arguably it could happen. Now, nah, but I'm really excited to be bringing my show to to Raleigh, and um, I'm I'm hoping to connect with a lot of my animal people and my music people, and uh, let me know if you're able to make it. Uh, I, I'm hoping to see some people there. So yeah, all right. Enough about me. Uh, enough about the special. Let's let's be honest. It's not enough about the special. I could talk about that thing all day, but I know that's not what you're here for. So uh, without further ado. Yeah. Two, three, four. Ow, that's a funky monkey. Tree kangaroo. What a It's news. All right. So, we're going to start off as we always do with our births and deaths. So, in our birth times, we've birth times. What the hell? I don't know. Anyway, uh, I'm still pretty tired from doing the holiday special, which I could keep talking. Right, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I promise. Anyway. We start with some exciting news from our friends at the Cincinnati Zoo, where Kuvua, the okapi, has given birth to a baby okoplet. Now, this was a pregnancy that was announced back shortly after the zoo learned about it, and given that okapi have a 15-month gestation period, Cincy fans have been waiting for this birth for quite a while now. The calf is healthy and strong, and they don't yet know the sex or weight, but hopefully that will be revealed next week. Also, I just want to point out that I didn't see a plug anywhere in the pictures of this little baby, so I can only assume that they made a version with wireless charging this time around. Maybe that's why it took 15 months. Ain't technology grand? But hey, all jokes aside, congrats to the team at the Cincinnati Zoo. The Kansas City Zoo has announced the hatching of a Gentoo penguin chick, Gentoo penglet, named Yoshi. For those familiar with the Mario games, and if you've met Miles, you are familiar with the Mario games, Uh, Yoshi got his name because his father is named Mario. They're both characters in the the Mario universe. His mother is named Akbar, which I also love as it's also a name from the nerdverse. Uh, In this case, it's from Star Wars, Um, thus uh, basically cementing this as the nerdiest Gentoo penguin chick around. Uh, in case you don't know, Admiral Akbar is the guy that goes, "It's a trap." I just, I, I just really wanted to do that. Anyway, uh, moving on. For the first time in seven years, a baby elephant, or Ellalet—that's how you would have to say it, because Ella is the first like syllable I think. So Elalit. I was going to say Ellet, but I think it's Ellalet. Anyway, uh, taxonomy is hard, y'all. But um, OK, OK. So for the first time in seven years, a baby elephant has been born at Disney's Animal Kingdom. The baby is named Cora and is currently behind the scenes or backstage as they call it at Animal Kingdom because Disney. And uh, Cora is currently bonding with mom. Now, Cora's mom is Nadira, who was also born at Animal Kingdom, making this the first second generation calf at the facility. Congrats to the entire team at Disney. <laughs> Thanks, John. Just maybe don't make fun of us for calling it backstage. We don't take too kindly to criticism. <laughs> the, the heck was that? Uh, <clears throat> Okay. The Chester Zoo has announced the birth of two Mitchell's lorikeets. This is a species of parrot that is incredibly rare in the wild. Only seven have been spotted in the wild since 2020. So at this point, every single birth in human care and in the wild is an event to be celebrated. And of course, uh, we now have to go to the flip side of of the births and all that fun and then talk about a couple of deaths. And we are starting off this segment this week with a hard one. Um, Sequoia Park Zoo has announced that Cinny, one of the two red pandas to call the zoo home, has passed away. And uh, making this even harder, this was an unexpected loss with care staff finding Cinny gone when they did their morning checks. Whenever I read a story where that happens, I, I just feel so bad for the keepers. Like, worse than I normally do when they lose an animal. The idea of just walking in and, and finding, finding something you love gone is terrifying, honestly. Um, an initial necropsy showed that Cinna had an aggressive pancreatic cancer that had spread to other areas of her body. She had shown no signs of pain or discomfort and had been eating well until she passed. So, sending all the love to the team at Sequoia Park Zoo for this incredibly challenging and sad loss. The Naples Zoo has announced the passing of Katrina, an 18-year-old Grant's zebra. She had lived at the zoo since 2006. She was known for being brave for a zebra, uh, often being the first of her herd to interact with enrichment items that were given to them by keepers. Sadly, uh, this was another unexpected loss as Katrina passed away suddenly following complications from a routine medical procedure. Vet work is hard, y'all. Sending love to the entire team at the Naples Zoo. And then last, but certainly not least in this uh, deaths segment, Woodland Park Zoo has announced the loss of Dodger, a rescue opossum who was part of the ambassador animal team at the zoo and also had quite the following on social media. He was known for having a great sense of wonder and curiosity, and he did an amazing job helping people learn about the amazing animals that live in their own backyard. Dodger will be sorely, sorely missed. And that brings us to our other Zoo News stories for this week. So uh, we're going to start off with an incredible story out of Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago. A Francois Langer, which is a type of old-world monkey uh, that is named Zhang, had been diagnosed with an aggressive cancer back in 2021. It's a type of cancer that creates a tumor on the roof of the Langer's mouth and is almost never discovered until it is too late to treat, often not being found until the animal has passed away. Zhang was fortunate that the director of veterinary medicine at the zoo noticed the tumor early enough to try to treat it. The vets at the zoo teamed up with Chicago's Rush University Medical Center to develop a technique to remove the tumor, and they performed the procedure back in 2022. There was then a follow-up surgery necessary in 2023, but now Zhang has officially been declared cancer-free, a first for the species. Congrats to the team for this absolutely incredible accomplishment. I hope that this is a procedure that is used to save many more Langer lives. Um. Hey, I wanted to give all of you who do the Christmas tree thing a friendly reminder that lots of zoos are happy to take your used Christmas trees if you happen to have a live tree during the holiday season. Uh, used Christmas tree. That may, I guess that's what it is. That sounds weird now that I'm saying it out loud. It made sense inside my head. But uh, hey, I digress. Many of the facilities use the trees for animal enrichment, letting animals kind of just have at them. They can sniff them, they can destroy them, you know, whatever. Um, It's a lot of fun to watch animals get this form of enrichment, but uh, it is worth mentioning that a lot of facilities get enough trees that they stop accepting them at some point. So if you do plan on donating uh, as your way to say goodbye to your tree and thank you to the zoo, make sure you do so quickly after the holiday or the opportunity may no longer be presenting itself. The Denver Zoo did something recently that cracked me up. Uh, The zoo was unsure of which orangutan was the father of four-month-old Siska. Scandalous! So uh, they did a paternity test. Uh, They knew it was down to either 30-year-old Barani or 16-year-old Jaya. Now, the zoo really wanted to get the reveal right, so they got a true expert to help them with it. Fresh off receiving the Lifetime Achievement Honor at the Daytime Emmys, Mari Povich helped the zoo announce the father of Siska. It turns out that Birani is the father, and the young buck did not actually succeed, uh, it was, uh, you know, went a little bit better than most of the reveals of paternity tests on Mari. Um, no one got mad. No one stormed off the set while their curse words were bleeped. Uh, you know, all that stuff. I, I don't even think there was any uh, Um Yeah. But I just love that the zoo had so much fun with this and brought in a true <laughs> expert in uh, sharing paternity test results. Just just amazing marketing. That's, that's good stuff right there. All right. I'm going to get a little ranty on this next one, but don't worry. It's, it's a good story. I just, it's a point I have to keep making. So, okay. A team of scientists at Gladys Porter Zoo are taking some pretty impressive steps to help save ocelots. Now, ocelots, as most of you probably know, are a cat species that used to exist all throughout Texas and parts of Louisiana, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Sadly, they have all but disappeared from their natural range uh, for, you know, all of the usual reasons. Y'all know what's up. Um, anyway, the Gladys Porter Zoo recently teamed up with Texas A&M University to have Lilu, the zoo's resident female ocelot, participate in an artificial insemination procedure. The procedure was assisted by a member of crew at the Cincinnati Zoo as well. If the procedure is successful, it will not only help with diversifying the genetics of the zoo-based ocelot population, but there are plans to use the procedure for ocelot reintroductions into different areas as well. Fingers and toes crossed that all went well and that we will soon be hearing about this procedure used to help rewild ocelots. And again, and here comes the rant. I feel like I need to point something out here, Uh, even though I fully realize that most people who listen already get this, but hey, I want to equip your toolboxes for when you talk to people who may not like zoos. This is the type of thing that often doesn't get promoted by zoos at all, so I'm going to start off by saying I'm impressed with Gladys Porter Zoo for sharing it with the world. But beyond that, this is also the type of thing that doesn't even get a real official, like... Statistic, for lack of a better word? Uh, it's not a true reintroduction in the sense of the scimitar-horned oryxes that we talked about last week, or the Chevalsky's horses that we've talked about on here a lot. It won't be listed on the AZA website as one of the 40 or so species that have been reintroduced into the wild or saved by zoos. But this kind of science and conservation work is why that list doesn't get longer. I mention this because I have so many conversations with the anti-zoo crowd, and they will literally go to the AZA website and look at the list of animal reintroductions and argue that it is not a long list or that species don't get added very frequently. And... I think that's an illustration of the failure to talk about what's going on and to truly brag about all the amazing work that isn't as big seeming maybe as a full like reintroduction into the wild of a species that was extinct in the wild. But 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 it's because if the work is done before reintroduction is necessary, then there obviously won't be a need for a reintroduction. So, okay, I don't want this to turn into a full-on rant. I know, I know, too late, I know. Uh, but this really matters to me, and I'm, I'm sure it matters to all of you. It's this kind of thing that blows my mind every time I go to a zoo and, and hear a story like this or, or read about it when it gets promoted. I'm so impressed by this. Um, so, yeah, yes, Gladys Porter Zoo, possibly saving ocelots. Yay, times a million. That is that is just such a cool story. I love it so much. Okay, so from time to time, I have talked about Zoo America on this podcast. Zoo America is a small AZA accredited facility that is at Hershey Park, the theme park in Hershey, Pennsylvania, you know, the chocolate place. It turns out the animals at the zoo aren't the only animals that live at Hershey Park because they also house pinnipeds in the park that are there doing shows through Ocean Connections Incorporated. Now, recently, the park has announced the arrival of three new seals with a twist. And by that, I don't mean a slice of lemon or lime that adorns their top. Reese, Scooter, and Sitara... All are considered special need seals. Special needles? But Anyway, uh, Sitara has successfully battled through diagnoses of West Nile in both 2020 and 2022, a disease that is usually fatal for seals. Scooter has cataracts and is visually impaired because of it. And Reese was born with an esophagus that is a quarter of the size it should be, leading her care team to need to work diligently to make sure she is comfortable when she eats. So yeah, I'm not sure that any of these animals would be making it in the wild, but now they are three great stories to be added to the ones shared at the park during shows and encounters. Our friends at Roger Williams Park Zoo have announced the amazing work being done by one of their own elephant keepers, Brett Haskins. Brett recently traveled to Nepal, where he spent two weeks providing foot care to almost 100 Asian elephants. He worked at the National Trust for Nature Conservancy's Elephant Health Camp, not just doing the work on the elephants, but Educating elephant handlers and owners on best practices for maintaining healthy elephant feet, showing them by doing, and improving the welfare of all the animals he got to work with in the process. Just an amazing story of a keeper caring for animals in the wild, and also teaching others so those animals will continue to have improved welfare after Brett is back in Providence. And speaking of New England, Maritime Aquarium in Connecticut has been teaming up with Williams College and Project Oceanology to remove derelict and abandoned lobster traps from Long Island Sound, which is a really cool project in and of itself. However, the project became even more interesting recently when the team discovered a European nudibranch on one of the lobster traps. Now, Despite the whole European part of the name, this type of nudibranch has been found in the Americas a few times, but it's an incredibly, incredibly rare occurrence. Furthermore, it has never been found anywhere near as south as Long Island Sound before now. Of course, the the discovery creates more questions than it does answers at this time. How did it get into the waters there? Is it a unique example of a single animal surviving traveling across the ocean? Or are there more of these in the Sound that we don't know about? What effect will it have on the sponge populations of Long Island Sound, since this type of nudibranch feeds exclusively on sponges? Now this is an especially important question, "...as sponges consume bacteria and host large populations of small crustaceans and worms that are important in fish diets." The team is currently searching for answers, but this story just goes to show that the conservation work done by incredible facilities like Maritime Aquarium go beyond uh, just the conservation work they know is being done, as it also often helps scientists to better understand the diversity of the ecosystems they are actively helping to save. All right, so one thing I have to be careful about when it comes to doing Zoo News is that things pop up as new on the internet when they are, in fact, very much not that. So I will have a listener send in an article dated December 2023, only to realize that it's a new publication basically repurposing an older story from another publication. Uh, I see this a lot and always try to be diligent and not share these stories. However... In this case, I can't help myself because this podcast didn't exist back in 2015. And this story is making the rounds again. And frankly, I just find it too weird not to share. Back in 2015, there was a gorilla named Shabani that lived at a zoo in Japan. And people in Japan decided that Shabani was super good-looking, with many comparing his looks to George Clooney. Couple that with the fact that he was known to be a good partner to his mate, and that he seemed to love playing with his children, and uh, people fell in love with Shabani. Women especially. They seemed to think he would be a great catch. They would crowd the exhibit every day, yelling things like, Shabani, look at me, and notice me, Shabani. They developed, well, basically they developed crushes on this gorilla. It got so bad that the zoo had to post signs telling people not to scream and even police the area more because of it. The zoo did see a huge spike in attendance, uh, all because of their... Hot Gorilla Dad? Uh, I don't know. So the fact that this information is making its way around the internet again is kind of weird, but also totally provides me an excuse to share this weird story with y'all. You're welcome. And now I'm going to end this segment with something that should be obvious, but I want to address it anyway, just in case any of you happen to see it. There is a viral post going around the internet right now about some lions escaping the Nashville Zoo. It is very, very fake, like super fake. The picture is of lions in the wild in Africa and is a very well-known picture. But going beyond that, the Nashville Zoo doesn't have lions because they escaped and we got this picture. No, I, I, I kid, I kid. The truth is, the Nashville Zoo doesn't have lions, and if they did, they wouldn't have escaped. Who knows if this was just a dumb internet prank or some activist trying to make people think the Nashville Zoo isn't handling animals correctly, but the fact that this is getting spread around with zero fact-checking is both really disappointing and just incredibly unsurprising. After all, it's the Nashville Zoo, not Bob's unaccredited animal park. Stereotypical animal podcasting song. Here to bring you to conservation news. Over 100 elephants have died in the past few weeks in Zimbabwe's largest national park as a drought rips through the area caused by climate change and the El Nino weather phenomenon. Weather forecasts are not offering much hope for the remaining elephants in the park, as the region is expected to not get much rain in the near future while facing rising temperatures. And, of course, while I say this is being caused by both climate change and El Nino, the truth is that many scientists believe, and are working to prove, that climate change is what is causing El Nino to be stronger and thus have more intense consequences. So, to be clear, it might not be accurate to say that climate change and El Nino are the thing killing these elephants, but more that climate change and climate change are the issue. Shocking, I know. This is not the first year in recent memory when something like this has happened, uh, as back in 2019, over 200 elephants died from similar circumstances. I don't really have a silver lining or happier way to end this story, so I guess I'll just pause and remind y'all that we seem to be gaining some serious traction in our fight against EEHV, so at least elephants have that going for them which is nice and uh okay so um going to a more domestic topic for a minute uh, if you've listened to this podcast much you know that we are very anti-outdoor cats for a variety of reasons that pertain to both the cats and the damage they can do while out gallivanting around neighborhoods well A new study has actually looked into exactly how devastating outdoor and feral cats are to the ecosystems around them, and the numbers are pretty shocking. Free-ranging cats consume 2,084 different species, including birds, mammals, reptiles, amphibians, and insects. Of those species, a full sixth of them are of concern to conservationists, Including uh, cats feeding on rare birds and bats, and in beach communities, even feeding on baby sea turtles. So, to be clear, putting your cat outdoors, or even just doing that thing where you think you're being nice by feeding and otherwise supporting a feral cat population in your area, man, by doing that, you could be directly contributing to the extinction of endangered species. And even if that's not the case for you, you're still leading to the death of many individual animals and contributing to the imbalance of your local ecosystem. Couple this with conclusive studies that um, exclusively indoor cats live both longer and healthier lives than ones that go outdoors. And this really is a no brainer keep your cats indoors and make sure you let the people in your life know just how important this decision is and uh yeah all right one more conservation news story and and i wanted to to throw in something from the good conservation news department so there is some very exciting news that i'm going to share with you all out of colorado five wolves two female, and three male, have been released into the wild in the state of Colorado. The wolves were captured in Oregon, Oregon? Oh, God, here we go again. Anyway, and evaluated before being collared for tracking and then released into Colorado. This is the start of a reintroduction plan that was voted on and approved by the citizens of Colorado back in 2020, with a directive to the Colorado Parks Department to begin reintroducing wolves by December 31st, 2023. So they made it, just barely, but they made it. The population is um, expected to grow soon with an additional 10 to 15 wolves being introduced in the near future. I love that story so much. Yay, wolves. (laughs) It's time for other news. It's time for other news. Hey, no, right now, right now, then, now it's time. It's time for other news. Hey, it's a segue to the Pogger of the News. A new type of Mosasaur skeleton has been discovered in Japan recently, and it is unlike anything we have found before. The skeleton, currently being called the blue dragon, is unique for a few reasons, the biggest of which is that it has giant rear flippers that look almost like what we often illustrate dragon wings as looking like. In fact, the rear flippers are larger than the front flippers of the animal, which is unheard of in mosasaurs, at least in the ones that humans have found so far, and is actually very rare amongst all living animals today. To illustrate why this feature is so rare, the researchers pointed out that this would be like driving a car by steering the back wheels instead of the front ones. As such, the researchers think these flippers might have been used not for forward motion, but instead used in a way to help the animals ascend or dive quickly through the water. Though this is just a theory at this point. Outside of the weird fin situation, there are many other small differences to the body when comparing this new find to other types of mosasaurs. In general, our understanding of the species is that they all share very similar body types with little variation, which makes all of these variations, both large and small, extra surprising. And, you know, it's, it's a fun reminder of exactly how much we still don't understand about the species that came before us and how every new find in the fossil record can really shake up what we think we know. And finally, in other news this week, a new study shows that apes can recognize old friends they haven't seen for decades. In a study that looked at both chimpanzees and bonobos, animals were able to recognize photos of former group mates they hadn't seen in over 25 years, with photos of old friends eliciting an even more positive response than photos of animals the apes knew but weren't particularly close to. Now, you may be wondering how the researchers were able to figure this out, given that most apes can't just say, Ooh, yes, that is Bobby. Holy crap, we used to eat biscuits together for hours while talking crap about our keepers, and occasionally flinging crap at them too. Well, the test involved taking photos of former groupmates and of apes the subjects had never met, and then using precision tracking gear to see how long each ape focused on the pics, along with analyzing body language the subjects demonstrated while looking at said photos. The study looked at apes that hadn't seen each other for up to 26 years, and they were still able to recognize their former friends. In comparison, the longest documented non-human animal recognition we have seen in studies is uh, dolphins, who seem to lose recognition after about 20 years. Humans, when tested, show the ability to retain memories of humans for around 48 years, uh, all of this is very interesting and it does make me feel bad as I often fail to remember people I met even just days or weeks before I see them again. I'm not even going to tell the story about the one time that I went on a couple dates with the girl and didn't see her for a couple months and then uh, was introduced to her from someone who didn't know we had gone out and uh, didn't recognize her because that's just an embarrassing story. And I would never share that with my listeners. Um but, but that happened anyway. Uh, but it, it also uh, brings up an incredibly important thing to think about when looking at the future of great apes in human care. If these animals are able to remember friends from that long ago. You have to ask, do they miss them? Are they sad when they are separated from their friends? We often think of that uh, as being a very anthropomorphic thought. But uh, is it in this case? While the scientists involved in the study made a point of saying they did not look into this topic at all, and that to date there is no research on the subject, it does open the door for that research. If primates are truly missing each other when they get separated, that could change the look of apes in human care moving forward. To date, it has been believed by most scientists that the the concept of missing each other is a uniquely human trait. It's an interesting question without an answer right now, and I'll be curious to see what researchers find out as they delve farther into this. Animal, animal, animal holidays. Animal, animal, animal holidays. All right, it is still December, which is the animal holiday month. Boo December! They don't get their own, like, animal month. Sad. Um, As for the individual days this week, again, very few animal holidays, as I guess people don't want to compete with all the uh, human holidays going on right now. But uh, we got two kind of Wednesday, December 27th is Visit the Zoo Day, which is obviously a great day. Uh, I highly recommend that you go visit, you know, the zoo. And uh, Thursday, the 28th, is the U.S. Endangered Species Act Anniversary. Which isn't like a real holiday, but hey, it's on the Peppermint Narwhal calendar, so I'm putting it there. Which, don't forget, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, this is your last possible day to enter into a contest where you could possibly win the 2024 version of the Peppermint Narwhal Animal Holidays calendar, some unique safari stuffed animals, uh, or even the Ellie Artisan Studio Penguins of the World sweatshirt. So very exciting. So go and enter. There are free ways to enter. There are paid ways to enter. Go enter or don't. It's fine. Whatever. I get it. There's a lot going on this time of year. You do you, boo. All right. So there you have it. Another episode of Raw Safari Zoo News. Yay. I'd like to remind everyone that I do have a Patreon and that you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month by going to patreon.com slash raw safari. Part of what you will get when you do that is the ability to listen to some bonus audio from some of the episodes that I do each month. And uh, on Tuesday, I'm going to be releasing an episode of snippets of those uh little bonus things to to share some of that with my general audience and also to entice you to become a patron. Uh, there are many levels that you can join at, and if you become a Red Panda level patron, which is the highest level, uh, then I'll say your name at the end of each episode like this. I'd like to say an especially big thank you to all of my Red Panda level patrons, Dr. Lara Shank, Dr. Stephen Williamson, and Barbara Bennett. Thank you so much. See, like that. Anyway, I'd also like to thank everyone who sent me something for Zoo News this week. We've got Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley-Croninger, Kerry Kirkpatrick, Kevin Williams, Jay Meredith, Jacob Zinn, Allie Malensky, Kay Malensky, The Malensky. Now, I sung that one high because the next one is Karen Musklow. Dr. Zoe Rossi, Kristen Khalil, Dr. Laura Shank, Emily Rockbuck, Ren Howell, Elizabeth Dunleavy, Crystal Chapman, and Melissa Reed. Thank you all so much for contributing. And uh, remember, friends, the words, Newsy credits backwards, are Steiderk, Yes, when the Rossafari podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact checking by John and Dr. Zoe Rossi. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Ross Safari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo. Ali Malensky, K. Malensky, I don't know what just happened. Uh, Dang it. That was close.